Welcome to Artful Aging with your host, Amy. Are you a senior or a caregiver of a senior looking for support and direction? Best-selling author, educator, and expert in senior living, Amy Friesen, is here with the help you need while providing you with an important and valuable support network. So now, please welcome the host of Artful Aging, Amy Friesen. Good morning, everyone. I'm Amy Friesen, and this is Artful Aging with Amy. Today, we are live again from Bold Brave TV. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. It's all a show for all caregivers, whether you're caring for a spouse, a partner, a parent, a child, and everything in between, how to care for yourself and how to find balance. I myself am a caregiver to a beautiful three-year-old. She's smart, loving, independent, beautiful. She's a super cutie and I love her to pieces. But she is also bold and she's clingy and she's still learning and she's on hunger strike most of the time and she's a 3 a.m. party animal. Needless to say, we don't get a lot of breaks in this house, let alone sleep. And don't forget that it's been compounding over the three years that she's been in our lives. So three weeks ago, she got a cold and she was home from preschool for two weeks straight. Now being sick on top of her daily is enough to break anyone, especially when I also got sick. I expanded my team at Tia Toast. I started a talk show and I'm having multiple other speaking events that I'm responsible for. So I know many of you have had similar experiences and can relate. I often find that what's happening in my life is aligned with what is happening in my client's life and just at the other end of the spectrum. And that's why I can relate so well to families and seniors. I myself struggle with being a caregiver. I feel guilty. I feel resentful and really, really tired. And we're taught just to keep moving forward or take breaks when we can. I can tell you every time I take a break, I feel more anxiety because I feel I should be doing something else. How many of you can relate to that feeling? My guest today has felt all the same things when she was turned back into a caregiver instantaneously after her husband's accident. Now, if you remember, Artful Aging is all about um, showing you that you're not alone and to help break down the isolation that people feel by offering support. Julie Fournier LFRA, is that right, Julie? You'll have to tell me for sure, I'm sorry, is a mom, she's a partner, she's a dog mom that I can hear in my ear right now, and he must be really cute, a yoga teacher, and a coach. Through her personal journey, she has had to find her own balance while caring for everyone, remaining employed, and helping her husband in his recovery. She's passionate about exposing the challenges that caregivers face and the overwhelming responsibility they shoulder often behind closed doors of their home. Welcome, Julie. I'm so happy that you could join us today. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Sorry about the, the barking in the background. <laughs> Such is the way, right? I know. I was worried there'd be a delivery, and sure enough. <laughs> of course, that's the way. Well, Julie, why don't we start today? Can you tell us more about where and how your journey began? Of course. Um, so my husband and I live just on the outskirts of Ottawa, and we have two beautiful daughters. And uh, up until about eight years ago, we were both uh, commuting downtown Ottawa for work. We had just a regular happy, uh, busy, but happy life. 
Um, and then eight years ago, my husband was involved in a serious car accident and it left him with some permanent cognitive and physical disabilities. So in the blink of an eye, um, he went from a very involved, uh, active um, dad and husband and, you know, uh, a handyman around the house and everything else to not being able to um, work or even walk without the help of a cane. Um, he was unable to drive, uh, follow any types of conversations that we had at the beginning, like shortly after the accident, and he had a lot of memory issues. So as you can imagine, that threw us for a loop and it meant um, that we had to sort of readjust our whole lifestyle. So we were fortunate that uh, my mother-in-law came and helped for a little bit. And um, I also tried to maintain, you know, the employment and, and shovel the driveway and take care of the kids and do all of those things on my own. Um, and I ended up working for about six weeks after the accident and then realized I just couldn't do it um, because physically he was going to need uh, a lot of medical attention. So physiotherapy, massage, um, you name it, like pain management uh, appointments, that sort of thing. But also it was the, the traumatic brain injury that was really um, challenging for us because I knew very little about concussions. I knew very little about what would happen um, in terms of personality changes, in terms of um, sensitivity to light and sound and the forgetfulness and all of those things. So it definitely um, meant a great big change in our life. And so I ended up taking two years off work just to care for him uh, because it was not just about driving him, but it was also noticing that it wasn't safe to leave him alone uh, at home by himself during the day. And uh, so, yeah, it, it was just that split second I became his caregiver and, um, and had to adjust and try to keep some level of normalcy for our kids who were at the time seven and five um, and, and manage his recovery. Something something you said, too, is that not only were you managing all of it and actively physically doing it and mentally doing it, but it's interesting, too, that it's, it's also an education base that you had to take on, right? Like it's not a lot of caregivers maybe don't even know how to be a caregiver or do a part of caregiving. And so that's something that's... Um, not really addressed a lot. It's not only the physical and mental caregiving, it's the actual time for that learning curve. And yeah. all of us learn things differently, right? And so it's like the steep hill of doing all of it at once, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and I talk about balance and taking care of oneself to avoid burnout all the time with the adult children I work with. Many of them laugh awkwardly, might I add, <laughs> uh, because they know I'm right but they often don't feel like they're the priority because they're not the one that is ill or injured. And, and so they just keep kind of trucking along and, and know that, you know, burnout's a thing, but you know, I'll deal with it when I can deal with it. And I totally understand that feeling. Julie, do you think that caregiving or sorry, do you think caregivers have been forgotten? Our medical system isn't really set up to help them in the way that I think they actually could use some extra help. What do you think? Um, I think, 
they have definitely been forgotten as a whole, but I prefer to think of it in a way of they fall through the cracks. So I know that, you know, there's a number of support groups, uh, let's say, for children with parents um, who suffer from dementia, for instance, right? But there's not a whole organization that looks at caregivers. And the medical system, you're right, is not set up in a way to help caregivers deal with the overwhelming responsibility, with um, the emotional baggage that comes right and that educational component i know that personally um i was you know i got some information about you know brain injuries um and how to deal with his medical care but i didn't get any support in terms of and telling me that you're gonna feel resentful at times and you're gonna feel angry and you're going to feel guilty and you're going to be overwhelmed and you're going to be fatigued and and nobody sets you up for that because you're right there's a big learning curve but then there's also all of these emotions that sort of pile up i think yeah. that people just take for granted that emotions are there and you're going to feel what you feel and then you know it's hard to kind of pinpoint because you know two people could be caregivers one could feel that guilt and one might not you know and even mm -hmm. with my caregivers that i work with a lot of them feel guilt, but they don't want to say it's guilt. A lot of them feel X and they don't want to say that because then they feel more guilty or worse about it. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what What would you say the biggest challenge or the biggest issue or challenge caregivers face is? I think it's what I've noticed is it's about your perception, right? Um, we feel sometimes that uh, we're not the ones who are suffering, right? So the caregiver might say, um, it's the person who, it's my loved one whose very existence depends on me. And I'm not trying to be dramatic, but in a lot of cases, that's it, right? Um, their existence relies on me, depends on me. So how can I possibly stop and take some time out for me, right? Yeah. So it's that whole perspective. And also sometimes we start to compare, well, other people are doing it, why can't I? Oh, right. the comparison, the comparison. Yeah, let's let's talk about that a little bit more after the break. We, we've got to take a couple of minutes for a break now, but consider on the break, do you have a perspective issue when it comes to caregiving for our audience? Think about think about that in your own life. This is Artful Aging with Amy. We'll be right back. If you're a planner or trying to be one, Things You Should Know is a great place to start. Personal information, power of attorney info, and real estate is just a fraction of the information you can store in this fillable planner and record keeper. Download your free copy today at tntoast.ca forward slash medical dash planner to get started. Welcome back. We're just really scratching the surface here. We've been speaking with Julie of Live Your Balance about the role of caregiving in our society and some of the hurdles we face. Before the break, we were talking about whether or not we had perspective issues as, as caregivers. I can say I have a perspective issue. It's, it's right what Julie was saying, that you feel that something won't exist if you're not doing it. And so how do you walk away? How do you take a break? Julie, why don't we touch on for just a second, what did you find about this? Do you have a perspective issue? Um, 
Definitely. I mean, I, I remember thinking to myself, you know, we don't have family in town. Um, I have two small children and I have this husband who's blacking out, falling down, who can't uh, get himself to appointments, who can't remember half of what is going on. Um, what can I possibly cut out of my life? Right. You get so tired and fatigued and overwhelmed. And yet you realize that there's there's nothing you can cut out. Right. And yeah. then a lot of people would say to me, um, you know, well, at least you're not living in a war-torn country, right? And that's another perspective. That's the other side is that it could always be yeah. worse, hon. You yeah. could have lost him in the accident. He could have died. And then it's like, yeah, but that's that's not helpful, <laughs> right? It's not helpful. It's like, yes, I'm very grateful you didn't die. But that's not helpful with the here and now. And I think that's the biggest issue is that just because it could be worse, doesn't mean that it's not difficult. That's the thing, right? And that's, yeah, we I address that with not only my families, but myself too, right? Of course, it always can be worse. But that doesn't mean what you're feeling is invalid, right? Absolutely. And that doesn't mean that you're not overwhelmed with little time in the day for you to be able to sit or a little time for you, like you said, you're giving up things. What can I give up and get off my plate? Most of that stuff's your own stuff, right? And I can even tell you from my own experience, I don't really have any hobbies anymore, right? Because between work and, and Eva and everything else, you know, I'm kind of stripped to the bare minimum at this point. Um, mm. care, the word uh, self-care is one of those words that seems to be kind of tossed out a lot. I know you're already smiling, Julie, because I know we've talked about this, but it's lost a bit of meaning. So I know that you're not a huge fan of it. What is it about the word self-care that you don't like? Um, I think self-care needs a makeover, quite frankly, um, because for so many people, when they hear the word self-care, they think a massage, they think a pedicure, they think an expensive day at the spa. So it's almost as though the use of self-care has now become pampering. And so when you say to somebody who's really overwhelmed and really just in survival mode, basically, oh, you need to take time out for self-care, it's almost a slap in the face. It's like, I'm sorry, but I'm I'm dealing with life and death here. And you're talking to me about self-care. Just so go think, have a bath. <laughs> just, yeah, have a bubble bath, right? Have a bubble bath and everything will, will melt away. Um, and also the other issue, too, is that it's in the word, right? It's self-care. It becomes another responsibility that you're placing squarely on the shoulders of somebody who is already overwhelmed. So so not only are they not looking after themselves, but they're being made to feel guilty that they're not looking after themselves. That it's one more responsibility that they're failing at. Yeah. So. Self-care, I believe, really needs to be about learning how to manage your energy. And right now, we live in a society where we glorify being busy. We glorify being productive. Everything is about pushing through and always doing more and always achieving more and reaching. Even when you're tired, just pushing through, right? And, and until that stops no one's going to be able to actually learn to read their energy and to respect how much energy they have. And yeah, I think sure. that's where self-care just kind of misses the boat completely. For sure, too. And then it's also, you know, thinking about self-care, it's, you know, the word, right? It's, you know, where do I fit that in? <laughs> where does a self-care fit? <laughs> yeah, and and just that, I mean, 
for me, and I, I try to teach this to my daughters as well, is that sometimes self-care is more about saying no to someone. It's not about having a massage. Sometimes it's about establishing boundaries and saying, you know what, I don't have time. I don't have the bandwidth right now. I don't have the energy to take on a new project. And being okay with that, right? And not attaching all of these emotions to it and saying, oh, I'm going to say no. And what's going to happen? Is it going to, you know, uh, ruin the relationship? That sort of thing. And sometimes self-care is about not spending time with people who drain your battery, yeah, right? For sure. If if one of the caregivers in our audience was looking for some ideas of what to do to care for oneself, do you have any suggestions for them, Julie? I think the first step is always about figuring out where your energy is and admitting that energy is finite. So my husband's occupational therapist um, used to have this program with points. It was a point system. So he had a number of points in the morning and he would say, okay, if I have five points when I wake up in the morning and I know I'm going to a physio appointment, that's going to take, the car ride's going to take one point. You know, it'll be two points to actually do the movements. Another car ride home, I'm depleted by the time I get home. I need to rest, right? And I know there's different theories. There's spoons and different people use different systems but I think the whole idea there is a good one we don't teach our kids to learn to read their energy because it's always push 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 do more right so I think the very first step is just to say you know what I'm feeling depleted right now so I can't take on as much as when I wake up and I've had a really good night's sleep and once you start to learn where your energy levels are at that's when you can start to say no a little bit more easily to things that you know are going to deplete you. I think so that first step system, is, yeah, sorry to interrupt I, you, I just thought that point system was really interesting because I hadn't heard that before. Yeah, um, I know there's a spoons theory that's quite popular as well, but um, you have a number of spoons and anyway, points are the same, right? But ultimately, it's all about learning that if you don't recharge the battery, you're only going to be able to run on fumes for a tiny bit. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I've, I've chosen to do things in my life, like getting a snow clearing service or getting a cleaning service. And I'm doing it because I don't have any more bandwidth and I need my area to be manageable. But society as a whole kind of has a stigma, you know, someone that's my age and my shape and my whatever should be able to do all that. And then then caregivers like myself feel even more guilty because they've farmed out this stuff trying to help and, it, and it's, it's not working for them. So it's. It's been interesting for sure, but we're going to take another break. Let's uh, let's think on this over the break. And a question for you is, as a caregiver, are you burned out? Have a think on it. And when we come back, it's it's we're going to talk more about burnout. It's a really hard thing to heal from. It's a really hard thing to kind of know that you're going through. Uh, but we're going to talk about it more in depth when we come back. This is Artful Aging with Amy here live on Bold Brave TV. See you in a minute. Welcome back. I've been speaking with Julie of Live Your Balance, all about caregiving and caring for oneself and how um, now I'd like to talk about getting into, sorry, I'd like to chat about burnout. My, my, my brain's got so much stuff in it about this topic that I can't direct uh, to you, but I know that I've been burned out in the past. 
on different occasions from work and general life. But I find now with a three-year-old, what I would assume is still burnout feels a bit different. It almost feels more exhausted, to be honest. Uh, Julie, is caregiver burnout different than regular burnout, would you say? Well, first I'd say that any burnout is difficult. Um, the difference, I think, is that caregiver burnout doesn't just jeopardize the caregiver's well-being, but it also jeopardizes the other person's, the person who's being cared for's well-being as well. So the stakes are just that much higher when you have responsibility for someone else's care. Um, and it's also, I find, very emotionally heavy. So I spoke a little bit about that before, that sometimes, you know, you'll feel that that guilt or that resentment. But caregivers will, depending on the, the position that they're in, sometimes they're grieving, right? So if a caregiver is looking after an ailing parent with dementia and they're exhausted and they're just overwhelmed with responsibility, they're grieving probably the fact that their parent is not going to get better. They're grieving the the loss of time. They're grieving the way they thought their life would be or in their relationship would be with their parent. They're also really probably overwhelmed with responsibility. They want a break, but knowing that a break means that something's likely going to happen to the parent, right? So then they feel guilty. Well, I don't want to let this go, right? So there's a lot of emotions that come in there. Um, and even if it's, you know, a child that you're caring for, there's there's always this grieving of the way we thought things were going to be. So that makes it even more difficult. Um, and, and it sort of compounds the physical burnout, right? Of just lack of sleep and go, 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 and being in fight or flight all the time and really just living in survival mode because that does something to a body as well right that mental burnout is such a, a big obstacle because other people can't see it and so Absolutely. all you can do is try to find the words to communicate that you're mentally burnt out but you don't have, you don't have the mental bandwidth to find the words and it's just like it's super difficult and even when I speak with caregivers of in families so adult children and I say to them I've, I've said to them in the past like listen you're grieving listen like you know this is how you thought things were going to go especially you hit the nail on the head especially with folks who have a loved one who has a cognitive impairment you you can't see it coming as well and so we thought x was going to happen now y is having to happen and they don't realize they're grieving they don't realize you know sure they feel guilty they they see that guilt part but they don't realize how deep those emotions are and how much they're really affecting them and how much the mental strain takes off off the top and then weighs on their physical you know physical well-being yeah definitely i remember um being angry all the time right after the accident. And I'll re always remember going to this doctor's appointment and I was following this little blue sports car and he kept speeding up and slowing down, speeding up and slowing down. And by the time I got to my doctor's appointment, I was so angry. 
And, and I could almost see the headlines in my head, right? Yoga teacher has a fit of road rage and attacks little old man driving blue sports car, right? <laughs> and, and it was just like, oh, wouldn't this be great? But I was angry and, and I was no fun to be around with friends. And I was completely isolating myself because it was just so heavy emotionally. And I, I knew I was no fun to be around and I was, I was grieving. And I remember my doctor saying that to me, you are grieving and it's going to take a while. And you're angry because this is not the way you thought your life was going to be. And that's, that's really real. And that's really heavy. And people forget sometimes, right? Because when you're in survival mode, it's all about, I need to get this done. I need to get groceries. I need to make sure everyone's fed, make sure everyone's in bed. Like, you know, it's all task oriented. And we tend to forget and push through that emotional heaviness until it catches up with you. Well, people think like when they think grieving, they think, oh, somebody died. Somebody passed away. Therefore, grieving happens. But most of the grieving I see is actually when people are alive and when people are in a situation where, again, like they thought something was going to go one way and it went another way. Even to your point about not being any fun, I definitely am not as fun as I used to be. (laughs) I'm just going to put that out there, right? And it's like, you know, I isolate myself as well because one, I'm not as fun as I used to be because of all the extra stuff. Um, and two, I don't have energy for small talk. I don't have energy to put anything but yoga pants on and go out the door some days. And I don't want to be in an environment where I feel extra uncomfortable. Plus I'm a no fun person. (laughs) So it's, 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 it's a cyclical thing. And you know, how do you get out of it? Right. And it's, and you're always trying to put one foot in front of the other, like we were talking about, but it's a long process. And like I said before, you know, I've been burnt out for years and it kind of, I feel like it kind of comes and goes depending on your load of what's happening. But those lows are low. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Did you find that, that it, like, even with, I don't know, it, it's, it's hard to explain, you know, to our viewers, but I'm sure that a lot of them, are kind of in the same situation and they don't realize that they've been in this grieving scenario and and how do they address that right so we're we're going to talk about this a little bit more after the break we all, we'll go to a break now Julie and we'll we'll talk about um, prevention which is one of my favorite topics as many of our viewers know it's really hitting home with me today as you can see I'm just being open and real with our audience with Julie because I think that the more times people are open and real the other people can get help from it so um, I know that after the break again Julie and I are going to talk about prevention Um, this you know we're going to keep this conversation going so this is Artful Aging with Amy we're coming to you live on Bold Brave TV we'll be back in a few minutes Hi everyone, welcome back to Artful Aging with Amy, where we've been talking about caregiver perspective, self-care, and burnout with my guest Julie. Uh, Julie, let's talk about prevention. What are some of the ways that caregivers can prevent burnout? Um, The very first step that I would say is the most difficult, and I think it has to do with establishing boundaries. And it's super difficult for caregivers because boundaries require you to recognize your own worth or your own value 
as much as the other person's. And as caregivers, we've already said that's really difficult because sometimes you know that somebody else's well-being, at minimum, uh, depends on you. So trying to really acknowledge that um, if I don't recharge my battery, if I don't fill my own cup, they're going to suffer as well. That's the first step. And then it's all about, I think, finding a way to pause. So for me, yoga has been my saving grace. And for the first two years after my husband's accident, I had one hour a week. And that was my one hour a week where everything was taken care of. I knew he wasn't going to leave the house. The kids were in bed. It was an eight to nine yoga class on Tuesday nights. And that was my saving grace. Um, and for me, it wasn't about necessarily, you know, the exercise part of it, but it was just about stopping and pausing. So prevention for me has always been reading your energy levels, knowing when you're starting to get depleted and knowing enough and feeling it in your body and knowing enough to stop and pause. And sometimes it can be just taking five deep breaths and it's hitting that pause button. Right. And just being able to say to yourself, you know what, I am going to just sit here for five deep breaths and not worry about the fact that we're running low on milk in the fridge or I've got to do such and such or I've got to wash the laundry for the kiddo for the next day. Um, it's about just taking a little bit of time, getting in touch with your body, realizing how you feel, acknowledging that and respecting that and then doing something to help you refill the cup. I find it's really, it's difficult with, um, I meditate and do a little bit of yoga as well. And it's when I first started meditating, <laughs> your brain doesn't shut off. And so what I had no. to do for the first bit, and I don't know if it, you know, it might not be common practice and it might be frowned upon, but what I had to do for the first bit is literally have a pen beside me and a piece of paper. And if I couldn't get it out of my brain, I felt like it was better to write it down quickly so that I could release it because I knew that it would just cycle in my brain all the time. And so that I think is one of the reasons a lot of people don't meditate because they feel like they can't shut off their brain, but it's like a chicken or egg, right? You meditate so you can learn how to shut off your brain. But if you don't, you know, if you don't meditate, then you'll never get to a point. So I'm still working through it myself. There's definitely one minute here and there where I'm not thinking about 12 million things, but it's few and far between. And it's literally just keeping the practice going every single time so that, you know, you can build on it, whether it doesn't have to be perfect. You just have to save the space for it. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I would. Um, and I'm glad you said that, actually. I, I teach meditation. Sometimes I have different um, workshops. But the first thing I ever say to anyone learning to meditate is that it is impossible to shut off your brain. Your brain is programmed. That's his job. The, the brain's job is to think thoughts. And what you are working towards in meditation is to observe the thought and not jump on the thought and start to follow the thought into the next one and the next one. So quite often, and that's what I practice when I do my yoga practice, and that's what I always say to my students when I start a, a yoga class, is that notice the thoughts, observe them, and then just say, huh, that's interesting. 
but right now I'm doing something else. Let it go and just sort of push it out of your head. And I, that's the practice. It's the practice of knowing that you are going to think those thoughts, but you need a break and you need to not follow it to the next one, to the next one to start to plan. Some things that I've found really helpful as I've been learning to meditate is um, counting to 10 while you're breathing. Cause I know that if I get to 11, I'm not paying attention. So you, you notice like immediately 11, 12, Oh wait, I'm not paying attention. I'm thinking about something else. And then also one of the apps that I've been using also teaches you to label your thoughts, right? It's like something work comes up. Okay. That's work or important versus not important. And if you label it, it actually decreases it from, you know, coming at you as much because you've acknowledged it and you let it go. So that's, been really helpful for me. Um, something that you had mentioned a little bit ago is that you're a firm believer in the, that wellness stems from effective management of your energy levels and maintaining the connection between mind, body, and spirit. And you teach this as a wellness coach. Can you tell our viewers a little bit more about this type of class, what it can do for them, um, why they might want to take something like this as part of their day and, and try to fit it in for themselves? Well, um, at Live Your Balance, I offer some wellness uh, coaching for caregivers, and it's I have this one program that's called Fill My Cup, and it's all about, it's an eight-week program, and it's all about filling up your cup, recognizing your limiting beliefs, setting boundaries, learning how to ask for help. Um, so I basically took my whole experience as a caregiver and the experience I have was talking with other caregivers, um, with my yoga students and just put everything into this hybrid program where I look at what I would have needed, right. And how to break the isolation and how to deal with that inner dialogue and how to deal with those shoulds, right. That word, I really should do this. Um, and how to really break that down and figure out where does that come from? And is it really life and death and reprioritizing and trying to find those little pockets of, of time where you can press the pause button. So in my yoga classes, um, I teach in studio and I also have uh, at times some series that I offer virtually, but I always really stress the fact that it's all about, it's not about getting a pose right. It's not about perfection. It's not about achieving. It's about really just feeling and letting go of expectations and just being okay with being you at that time. And I think that is a huge part of managing your energy. I, I couldn't agree more. And I really appreciate you coming on today. This has been terrific information. Thanks so much, Julie. I really, um, like I said, I went through our notes before and it really got me. So thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Um, for more information about Julie and Live Your Balance, head over to artfulagingwithamy.com. After the break, I'm going to share my top tips from today. You don't want to miss it. You've been enjoying Artful Aging with Amy here live on Bold Brave TV. See you in a minute. Are you and your family considering senior living options, but you're not quite sure where to start? In my best-selling book, Breadcrumbs Piecing Together the Retirement Living Industry, you will find tips and strategies for navigating the entire journey. Whether you're needing help with understanding the basics or strategies to help a loved one with dementia, it's all inside. 
head over to tntoast.ca forward slash ebook to pick up your copy today. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I've got to say this has been an emotional hour for me. I know there are many others out there that probably feel the same way. I'd love to hear from you in the comments below our video. If you found today's information helpful, please go ahead and comment under the video or give us a thumbs up. I'd love to hear your thoughts and open up a conversation about this. Um, and tell me, what are you going to implement in your life going forward as a caregiver? I know I'm going to be working on getting out of the should trap. Uh, who else is with me? I also, I was telling Julie on the break that she said, you know, um, let go of expectations. So now every time I have an expectation, I say to myself, let go of expectations. <laughs> so I've been doing a couple of days worth of that and it, it helps, I have to say. Let's talk about top tips from today's show and break it down for you a little bit. My number one tip from today, again, let go of expectations, both of yourself and of others. This is a skill that requires a lot of practice and patience, so be gentle with yourself and take the small steps to make it happen. I often find like it's tripping repeatedly, repeatedly, until you gradually start tripping less and less and then you finally got it. So just keep with it. Number two would be to take a breath and slow down. Sometimes a few deep breaths can change the whole scene, both for you and the person you're caring for. Remember, it's, you know, you can only control yourself. So take a minute to pause before possibly a reaction um, or just going into being a caregiver. Number three, recognize burnout for what it is and take actionable steps to correct it, whatever this means for you. Maybe it's getting some respite into your home or getting um, going out uh, for the night, perhaps. I know that what works best for me personally is if I get a night away where I'm the only person I'm responsible for. It doesn't happen that often, but I find that those times really, um, really help to get through a little bit of it. Of course, it doesn't take away uh, the burnout, but it does alleviate it a bit. And I'm sure that many of you can relate. And number four, get some help. You know, I, um, you don't go through this alone. Julie is a great resource. And if she's not in your area or you can't do anything virtually at the moment, you can always reach out to a similar professional. I know when things were feeling super stressful for me, I went to see a few professionals about both what Eva was going through as a three-year-old toddler trying to navigate the world and what my response was in my method to responding to her. And I can tell you it worked very well. So not only get help for yourself, but you know, how are you reacting to the loved ones? Because you're caregiving for people that you care for. So try to keep that in check so that you can do it properly and that you don't get burned out in, in the meantime. And there you have it. So on next show, next week's show, we're gonna be speaking about incapacity planning. I know. I know you don't want to talk about it. I've been told this so many times. You don't want to talk about it, but the good thing is, is that it's just you and me. So you might as well watch the show next week and get any tips you can get, and then you don't have to tell anybody you watched it. <laughs> if you would love, I would love for you to take a minute and like the video or the podcast on the app that you're listening to us on. It really helps people find our show a lot more easy, and we can help a bit. We can help more caregivers out there and the seniors that they're caring for. So thank you so much for joining me today on Artful Aging with Amy. We've been live on Bold Brave TV. From me to all of you, I hope you have a wonderful Wednesday. 
You've been listening to Artful Aging with host Amy. Many folks just like you feel they're alone in their journey in helping a loved one or caregiver. So tune in each week and let Amy show you that help is around the corner and is just one conversation away here on Artful Aging.